Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. I'm turning your attention to the book of James. He is able. I want to say thank you. Thank you to Brother Gallion for the tremendous job teaching last night, launching this series for me. The bug got me last week. I didn't see it, but it saw me. And uh, I honor him for the great job that he did launching and teaching. Somebody had asked me a week before, said, what are, what's our next series? Where are we going? I said, I said, we're going to James. I don't know why, but I know the Lord said to. And uh, it's been clear as I begin to study through James with us launching into the summer. You know, it's one thing to say you're Christian. It's another thing to be Christian. <laughs> Woo. The late Eli Hernandez, I remember one time him saying, even uttering the words that you're a Christian, if not careful, can be perceived as arrogant. To say that I am one that is striving to be like Christ. Oh, Lord, help us to live up to our profession. Amen? That's a a lofty, lofty call. As you're standing, we're going to be in chapter 2, just for the very beginning of the reading of this, and then I'll let you be be seated. Verse 2. Verse 1, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, comma, with respect of persons. With respect of persons. He said you can't have it with respect of persons. He he jumps down in here and and he begins this this process that he's unfolding and, and that the way it's kind of been broken down for us to read in our Bible in what is chapter 2. And we're going to work through this concept of the respect for persons and how that plays into even the devil's perception of God. This is a famous chapter for, for us. Many times we've heard it quoted as oneness Pentecostals. And really he is addressing this faith minus works concept. So launching into James chapter 2, life and application That's where we're going tonight. Would you pray with me that we might receive the word with gladness and be able to apply it. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these great and gracious people who have taken the time to gather into this house on this Wednesday night. I pray that you would help, that you would ready my mind, that you would help me to articulate with wisdom and clarity. Again, I ask your word. Your word is eternal. It is forever settled in heaven. This letter is critical for us to hear. It is written not only in pages, but let it be written on our hearts that we might be pleasing and acceptable before you. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for your kindness, for your standing, for your attention, and your passion in both prayer and in worship. Sister Gallion, thank you. Wow, what a... You know, we're so blessed with worship leading here. We are just 
We are so blessed. She's got just one of my favorite voices. Just is just great tonight. Walked in here and then hear her singing that old song, There's None Like You. So if you have your, have your hand out there, if you don't have a hand out and you want to raise your hand, ushers will make sure you get one. There's a few hands over here. If our ushers can help us out, make sure anyone with their hands up. We're going to start here, chapter 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Breaking this up, I'm going to go through and break these scriptures up a little bit. For if there, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and... In goodly apparel, and there cometh also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect unto him that weareth the gay clothing. Now, this is KJV. Gay clothing today means a little something different. I could either avoid the elephant or I could just address it. That weareth, weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or, or sit here. Under my footstool. Understand there, even in verse 1, the equality in the text that is attributed to the word brethren. The equality of Christians. The brethren concept forms the groundwork for the admonition. Here it is. Because if we truly are brothers and sisters, we can handle when someone is helping us to be more Christ-like. Everyone knows it's easy to get defensive. <laughs> I love you as long as you're buttering the bread. As long as you're handing me, handing me confections. Woo, give, me some, give me some compliments. But as soon as you start to cut at the flesh, I don't want the question mark over me. I'm going to put the question mark over you. But he addresses them. He calls them Brethren, you've got to be understanding what's happening here. And he's talking about the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is, he is grounding this. James is grounding this here in the Christian faith. But he takes it a step further when he says, The Lord of glory. He is not just another prophet for us. He is not just another teacher. But we're speaking in the full Dimension as we can understand. And I'm going to tell you that in our minds, we cannot fully comprehend God. We can't. We, we take shots at it. He gives us some sense of understanding. He tries to put it into terminology that we can grasp. But the glory of God is larger than we can really grasp. But James goes after it here teaching... The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, okay? As all believers alike, rich and poor, they derive any glory they have because of union with Him. We have no glory without God. We, we don't. We don't have any glory. How many have ever heard or even used the statement, oh, those were my glory days? Because that's when you could, you could fit in that suit. Or <laughs> I've talked to people that said, I tried to get my wedding outfit back on. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll end up crying and going and eating ice cream. Don't do it. 
or looking at old pictures from back when you used to play football. You know how many guys have told me they would have made it to the pros if it wasn't for this knee? And everyone, and you can't do anything but smile and say, oh, the Lord knew. The Lord knew what you needed. <laughs> Think about this. His glory has never ceased to exist. We at times think that His glory is greater because of the way it has been manifest in our presence. But just because we feel a stronger presence of God at times does not mean He got stronger or His glory got greater. We just got ourselves spiritually positioned in a way that we could uh huh, feel it, process it, absorb it even. It's a part of engaging, okay? But he said, you cannot have the faith of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Literally translated, in respecting of persons. You know what James said? You cannot give, you can't treat this person one way and this person another way. Now he's... He's giving us a little Bible lesson here. He's giving us a little letter. He's, he's addressing some things, and he's going to really hammer some things out in chapter 2. There's, there's three or four different themes that kind of are interlaced throughout this, this chapter specifically. But he's starting, he, he comes right out of the gate by saying, I'm going to tell you where I'm going, okay? You can't be treating people different. Your partiality, you're partial to them. Because they look a certain way, or they dress a certain way, or he smells good, but he doesn't. How many know the Lord will find, the Lord knows where we're our weakest? I can tell you this, that by your response, the devil is not omnipresent, he is not omniscient, he is not, but you can give the devil you can show him your cards by the way you respond to a situation. Oh, he don't like dirty people. Oh, she, she has a problem with that type of people. Some of us, if we're not careful, we will carry multi-generational prejudice that is not even revealed until we have to interact with someone from a different skin color a different ethnicity. And, and if we're not careful, we won't do it in a way, we will say cutting words with a smile. I'm going to go on a little farther here. We will make fun of family traditions of one ethnicity because we were never raised that way. Oh, that's not necessary. It might not be necessary but it doesn't mean it's wrong either. Okay? Can I say something? If you're Hispanic, be Hispanic. If, you're, if you are Caucasian, be Caucasian. If you're, if you're black, African American, be, if you're Jamaican, be Jamaican. Don't let anybody, if, if we got some Jamaicans in here, and you ain't gonna let anybody tell you, I've talked to some Jamaicans that... I, when I went to Jamaica, I think I ate jerk chicken every day. 
My first experience with, with, with jerk chicken was on the side of the road. My wife said, you're not going to. I said, you better believe it. It's a tradition for me. So now let's, let, let's bring it in. Let's, because that's kind of an easier card right there, okay, to deal with different ethnicities. Let's deal with it this way. I, I, I do premarital counseling all the time. And we talk, one of my favorite questions. So be ready if you're ever going to come to me for premarital counseling. They're probably in another room right now. <clears throat> but one of, my, one of my favorite questions is just to say, so where are you guys going to spend next Christmas? <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going where? <laughs> Aren't we going to my mom's? I ain't going to your mom. <laughs> and some of you on one side of the family, you did Christmas real big. While the other side of the family thought that was silly. I'm not going to go too far down this road. I don't have time. But you, and I don't want any fights started. It's under the blood. Leave it. Leave it. But we can do this amongst ourselves. If we're not careful, watch this, we will have believers that have not made the full journey. And newsflash, we haven't made the full journey either. If you think you're done being discipled, you need more work than you realize. Amen? They're a believer, maybe Brother Brown, they're a believer, but they show up and they're not there. They're not at that place. They don't dress right. They don't look right. Hey, they don't even talk right. They don't even know our lingo. They, they still think that being on fire for God sounds like martyrdom. They don't know the lingual, the Pentecostalisms. They don't. But they're coming into the faith. And James. James is trying to look, and there seems to be this, there's some that want to argue and distinguish, well, he's really going to start pointing out heathens. He's writing to the church. He's addressing these, these, these Jews, this, this uh, disbursement because of persecution. And he's saying, persecution will put you in a place where you want to judge others critically. Because any time that you yourself are wounded, it will make you become defensive towards other people. Oh, that's the truth. Man, I feel something right now. Going through wounding will cause you cynicism towards other people. Right? We all know that's true. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, so we put up guards. James is speaking against some kind of partiality that takes place where, where people show up and, and they don't look right or they're not dressed right or they don't smell right and they're not there. And James says, hey, time out. You don't get to look at them and say, well, he's more prominent and if I'm friends with him, it'll get me farther. So here, you sit in the good place so that everybody around you looks good and on the fringe are the people who don't have it all together. Aren't you glad that the church is honestly a melting pot of people that have just been saved by the mercy and the grace of God? Without His grace, I wouldn't be here. Without His mercy, you wouldn't be here. 
And James says, you can't do this. You can't have this faith and still be having partiality. Consider the Lord of glory. And it's really that word. It's the glory there that needs to be established. For if there come unto your assembly that man, that, that gold, and you have respect to him that, that wears that nice clothing, and you say that, he says, you're, you're, you're doing this with respect unto the person, not the qualifier here is you respect the person more than you're respecting the God of grace of the person. The Greek word here for this, this goodly apparel, this gay clothing, the Greek is the same in both. It's translating as splendid clothing. They've got it together. But don't we all know that at times we have dressed like we had it together? But we didn't have it together. <laughs> We've got to guard against what is noted as a sin of partiality. Let's look here, verses 4 through 7. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges whew, of evil thoughts? Lord, help us. James, calm down. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world Rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God, which he hath promised to them that love him. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? The Greek words for judges and for partial here, they're akin to in sound and in meeting, okay? This, this similar translation ought therefore be given to both, that, that either for judges or, or, or for uh, when we're looking here between the judges and the partial, it can really be these distinguishers. These distinguishers according to your evil thoughts. Or do ye not show partiality, judge between men, and become evil thinking judges. He said when you, when you look at someone and at face value, you think because of their prominence in the world, I can gain, I can gain worldly prominence. Now lest anybody thinks what James is talking about here is that he's against people being rich, that is not what James is saying. James is not saying you need to love poor people more than you love rich people. James is saying you need to love people. People. Not based on their social class, but based on the grace of God. The evil thoughts, they are, they are the judges in themselves. According to Luke 18 and 6, the, the, the Greek would talk to us about the, the judge of injustice. It's translated there in Luke, the unjust judge. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be the judge. I don't want to do that. And you don't want to be that person either. And we're going to figure it out here in just a few minutes too, why, what he's really going to unpackage here. But he's saying, you don't want to do this and don't you know that it is so exhausting to live skeptical, judging people? It's, it is exhausting to live that way. Well, I don't want to be naive. I would rather you just live naive thinking everybody's great. 
than drag around the exhaustion of thinking everybody is evil. That's exhausting. I will tell you, it's actually debilitating. You can't, you cannot, you cannot constantly be judging people negatively. And if you don't like that, you don't like the Word of God. Rich heathen might chiefly be meant here. And if James is writing that, let's just pretend that it's only heathen he's writing about and then everybody in the house can say amen. That's right, that's right. If he's talking about heathen, people that mock or that blaspheme. Seems like, seems like James is trying to really, really dig at something and, and, and get at something here that that, 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 that God that you worship, this, 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 this Lord Jesus Christ, this, this King of glory, He ought to be doing something in your heart. How can, how can you say that you've got God, but, but your love doesn't reflect that? That's what he's setting up. You know, James is setting it up. He's, he's, he's like walking. He, it's like he's whistling while he's putting the ball on the tee. And he's just getting ready to swing. He's talking to them. And he is, he is in dialogue here as he's, he's writing. He's, he, he's trying to get them to understand. Make sure that just because they might could give you a pay raise, you don't treat that heathen better than you treat that poor person that shows up at your church once a week. Because if we're not careful, we will treat people who have no personal relationship with us outside of signing a check. We will treat people with more kindness that don't even believe in God than we do people who gather in the same church house of worship every week. I want to be, ladies and gentlemen, I want to be challenged on this. I want to be challenged. I want to have to consider myself here. I want to have to consider my thoughts and my actions and make sure. Would I, okay, here's my concept. And I've got to, I'm talking to me. I'm teaching me right now. But do I want to be more kind to the mayor of this city when given audience with him or going to the state house and being a part of one of these breakfasts or sitting? Do I want to be more kind to them than I would if someone showed up on Thursday needing food? For some of us, that's uncomfortable. For some of us, you're saying, I'll just move on and teach the scripture. And, and for some of us, we're thinking, wait a minute, we do need to consider this. And I'm going to tell you that I am the chief person as the pastor of this church standing here right now asking God, help my motives and intentions to stay pure. Not what draws a big crowd, but what builds a great church. What builds a great church? James is trying to help us here. He's saying, don't, don't show partiality. Don't, don't, don't do that. Okay, let's read 8 through 13. If he fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. But, <laughs> but what, James? 
if you have respect to persons, you what? Brother McFarland, I wish he wouldn't have been that strong about it, right? <laughs> I wish he would have been like, it's not a good choice, or comma, do better. But James is like, well, I've got the knife open. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do surgery. He said, if you have respect to persons, you, you had just done so good, James. You had just said that if you love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But now he challenges your definition of love. He challenges my definition of love. He said, but if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Calm down, James. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he, he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Wait, wait a minute. I, I didn't commit adultery. He said, no, 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 no. You're, you're trying to take them out and make them individual. And make yourself feel good about what you have not done. By the exclusion of what you have. He said, let's lump them together as they started, which was the law. Yeah, so you didn't commit adultery, but you killed. So no, you're not. You, you, but anybody that wants to say you're guilty of transgression against the law would be accurate. James, you're so tough. Calm down. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Here it is, verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, their commentary said, uh, I think the translation is, if in very deed, or indeed on the one hand ye fulfill the royal law, you do well. But if, on the other hand, you respect persons, you are a sin practicer. That's harsh. That's ridiculous. But yet every parent in this room, if we ask our kid, clean your room, and they do everything but make the bed, I thought you said you cleaned your room. I did. I cleaned everything. Look at your bed. I didn't make the bed. I threw all the food away. I picked my underwear up, put my socks in the drawer. I didn't do that. But to the parent that just said, clean your room, and I'm dumbing this way down intentionally for the visual illustration. James is saying, stop saying that you love the law. When you are being continually engaged in something that is contrary to the law. He said, you can't do that. You can't keep walking around being like, I'm a Jewish Christian. I'm a, I, I love the law. And I, you can't st stop heralding that you love God. How about, I'm, can I modernize it? I'm going to put it in 2021. 
He's saying, quit saying you love people, but you got a rotten attitude. That's a good point. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't say it. James did. James said, stop doing that. Respective, respective persons violates the command to love everyone else like yourself. Love people. Well, Pastor Carson, I, I'm, I'm not going to love these. I, I'm not going to love them when they treat me like that and when they act like that. No, 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 no. You don't love the sin, but you got to love the sinner. But we're not talking here. Please catch something here. For those that think that my focus is on sinners tonight, he's writing to the brethren. He's addressing how we treat people we gather in the synagogue with. And there's a difference between the synagogue and the church for any theologians in the room that are like, well, that's the difference, right? No, listen. We should be kind to one another. You can't, and at the same time, let me just say this right now. You just can't be everyone's best friend. In a church this size, people are even going to walk past you. They didn't mean anything by it. They didn't walk by you because they didn't like you. You show up to a Sunday here and there's nearly a thousand people... It's not that they don't like you. They just wanted to beat you to the restaurant. <laughs> if, they, if they don't get chicken today, it's not going to be because of you. Or maybe they didn't see you. Or maybe it But here's what he's addressing. Treat people with kindness, without partiality, and strive to do it intentionally intentionally that's why I called it sin it's a worldly and a judgmental mindset of someone driven by covetousness and envy when we begin to pick each other apart and we begin to place each other over another one and, and they come from this side of the tracks and they come from that side of the tracks and, and their family they were raised as a Calvary kid if you got to be accepted in, if you ever got to be accepted here by being raised a Calvary kid I got to go somewhere else and I found out that within a month or so that wasn't the case at all People will love you if you love them. Here's my challenge always to people that say, people aren't friendly to me. I ask the question, how friendly are you? I ask that question, and I am not afraid to ask that question. Some of you know. I will ask you, who have you sent a card to lately? Who have you bought lunch for lately? Okay, I'm meddling, I'm going back. The law of liberty is the gospel law of love. It is the balance. Everybody remember this here. It is the balance of truth and mercy. It's the balance of truth and mercy. And he starts addressing this here. He says, he says our hearts, our attitudes, our actions, if they're going to be complete, they're going to have to be complete in him. Okay? Again, this is not preference for the rich over the poor or for the poor over the rich. He is starting to, to, to dive into this thing that would, that would be mentioned, if you remember back in Matthew, when it said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
If you are always critical, and when I say you, let me say it this way. I was taught better than that. If we are critical, we cannot get upset when people are critical with us. We have sown into that field. There are people in this room right now that all you heard growing up was negativity. It's all you heard. You go home and, and mom was negative or dad was negative or the grandparents were negative. I deal with people on a regular basis that they have been grown out of the context of negativity. And from that negativity, it has put a knife in their tongue. And so it is easier, please hear this, it is easier to cut than it is compliment. It has become second nature for them to pick out what is wrong and harder to praise what is right. Well, I don't have a problem with anybody. Here's who you have a problem with. You say, I don't know if I have a problem with anybody. The person who when they walk in the room, there's this little part of you inside that thinks thoughts like, if I could get away with it. Or, please hear me right now, that part of you, when they walk in the room, you walk out. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is real life. It's where the rubber meets the road. James is, James is saying, whatever measure of mercy you give, expect the return on that. And I will tell you very openly, my measure of mercy needs to be defined by His mercy toward me. His mercy towards me. Because ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be real open and transparent with you. I've had people lie on me. I've had people say I believe things I don't believe. Well, I heard from so-and-so. Well, so-and-so and I have never had a conversation. When someone comes and tells me something about something, someone else, I always ask them this question. What was their response when you asked them? Because biblically, if I got a problem, I got to leave my gift at the altar. And I've got to go to them. <laughs> But if you live and you breathe out of the context of criticism, it is, easier, it is easier to call it something through the lens of skepticism than it is to actually put on your glasses of mercy and to say, wait a minute, I bet they meant well, but it didn't come across right. I'm going to tell you a noble thing. Rather than get offended at them for something they might not even know they did, or maybe they know they did it, go to them and have a conversation. I don't know who I'm talking to exactly right here tonight, but I do know the Lord spoke to me a while ago about James. And I'm trying to save some, I'm not trying to save your tonight, I'm trying to save your next year. 
I'm trying to save who the future version of you is meant to be if God has grace and mercy to tarry. You know why? For some of us, I don't want our kids to be bitter. I don't want our, ki- our grandkids to be bitter. Amen. Don't you want them to be able to say, here's one thing I know about my parents. Even when they didn't get it, they showed mercy. Even when it was not returned, they showed grace. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now I know that that's easier to say than it is to do sometimes because every now and then somebody will cut you deep. But I will tell you this, mercy, if you get the choice between mercy and judgment, choose mercy. Please choose mercy because you don't want to be guilty of God having to ask you why you took His spot in judgment. Man, that was heavy. (laughs) That hurt my own toes. I didn't even know that was going to come out like that. But I don't want to. I've had people come to me, Pastor, I don't know why. Don't you know this and this and this? I don't. I don't know it all. I think he does. I'm pretty sure he does. Let me tell you this. Some people's sins, I have watched. Can I go for just a minute? I, I have watched people that I knew privately had the same problem. Publicly criticize the person who it became public knowledge about. Because when judgment gets in the spirit, it becomes second nature. And James is saying, you got to choose mercy. Let's go on and I'm I'm going to draw it. I'm going to draw it together. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? He is, not, he is not speaking against faith. He is just speaking against what we call faith if it's not coupled with works. If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will say, show thee my faith by my works. Doesn't even sound, he sounds like he's preaching a little bit. Thou believest, how many have heard this quoted a thousand times? Thou believest there is one God. You've heard me quote it a dozen times or more. And you're going to hear a lot more. But we reach right into this, James chapter 2. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You know what James is really saying here? I know you believe, but even the devils are believers. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say, I know you're a believer. He said, what are you doing with it? We just want to march around and say, I'm a believer. Hey, hey, hey I'm a believer. That's probably going to be a meme. Don't turn that into a meme. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a... He said, okay, so you're a believer. So is the devil. And his works tell on him. <laughs> you believe there's one God. Great. What are you doing with it? But thou, wilt thou know, O vain man, That faith without works is dead. Abraham, he said, was justified by faith. 
Scripture was fulfilled, verse 23, which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, verse 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. You can't just believe in the church. You've got to be a part of the church. Rahab, I preached enough about her a couple weeks ago. She was justified by works, verse 25. For, for as the body, watch this, without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. Christian brothers and sisters, I would submit to you tonight that when one of our brothers or our sisters is hurting, we should feel a Christ-like obligation. And I'm using that word intentionally, obligation. Is Brother Lopez in here? Is he teaching tonight? We're, sorry, right in front of me. Sunday afternoon, I'm not, I'm, I don't know who it was. I didn't even ask the question. But it's pouring rain. Somebody had a flat tire. I was looking for you. I wanted to talk about real spiritual stuff like numbers and guest cards and things like that. And I asked Sister Lopez, I said, where's your hubby? And she said, oh, somebody had a flat tire, so he, had, he went to go and help. And I looked outside, and it's just pouring rain. Instantly, I thought, thank God for the body. Right? Thank God for the body. Because it would have been easy for you to think, it's not my job. <laughs> right? We all know what it's like to try and avoid looking at a need. Oh, did they need something? I didn't even. <laughs> We've got to feel compelled. We've got to feel obligated. What you believe affects how you live. Right? What we, what we believe affects how we live. We know that actions speak louder than words. Right? One action can destroy a thousand words. Stand, stand with me. This sentiment's echoed in 1 John 2 and 4. It says, if you say that you have come to know him, and yet you do not keep his commandments, the truth is not in you. Statements like this. Statements like this right here. I'm praying for you. Don't say it if you're not praying. Right. It'd be better for you to just not say anything. Right. Just smile. Now, I don't advise you to say, I'm not praying for you. I don't advise, I don't advise that either. But James took a shot at him at something probably all of us have been guilty of. Sister Galley and I have been guilty. You led worship so good tonight, I'm going to tell you. I have been guilty of knowing someone haven't had a need that I probably could have done something about. And I did this. Oh, Lord bless him. From a distance. Bless them because I'm busy. Like I'm more busy than God. Right? Bless them because I'm headed to lunch. Bless them because I got plans. I think, I do believe that God gives divine interruptions to see our level of spiritual maturity. I think he challenges us at time with this. And, and Lest anybody say, man, Pastor Garza was kind of strong tonight with all that. I don't know whether I should feel better or feel worse. It's James. Blame James. It's not me. I'm just as mad at him as you are. 
I'm like, he didn't help my week at all. But it has, re-looking through this letter, has made me... Brother Faulkner, it's made me, it's, it's, it's made me have to stop and say, wait a minute. Do I believe what I say I believe? Because if I believe what I say I believe, that whether, whether it's convenient or inconvenient... It is still Christ-like. And that's what makes it proper. Amen? Amen? So I've got to have faith, but I've got to have works. And that works has to occur without the partiality of persons, but with a sincere love for people. Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you for, uh, I think you've trimmed away at my heart a little bit, maybe just to open it up and try to do a little surgery on my own heart, my own mind. There's a lot in this word if we'll spend time in it. And uh, I'm, I'm asking you to help us to reflect you, to reflect you with our actions. I'm asking it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone say amen. amen. This was not a new theology, ladies and gentlemen. This was, this was not some new thing. It was not a contradiction of Paul's writings. No, it was all working together in harmony. I'll tell you why I think the Lord has prompted me as we're being dismissed and leaving here tonight. Why I think the Lord has prompted me is because we're heading into summer. And some people get, the sun comes out and people, people lose spirituality, lose their mind, lose their clothes. <laughs> I said it, you were thinking it. Here's where we're at. My, my Christ-likeness should not be seasonal. 